Hi, Ashley. Hi, Ames. How are you today, my I dear? I am good. How are you? I'm good. So uh, we're recording on upload day. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Been uh, super duper busy. Yeah. But um, we've had it a lot is... going on here recently. Right. But it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. So um, tonight's episode. Are we, are we ready to drop it on them? Are yes. we ready to drop it on? Let's do so it. So, guys, welcome to the first installment of Amy's Super Unknown. Yeah. Thank you to Will Albritton for that. Yes. And whenever mm-hmm. I have one that is extremely rough, it's going to be called Amy's Atrocities. Thank you, Ooh, Wayne. <laughs> so I like it. I got so two that's, names. Um, that's going to tell us if it's really, really rough. That's going to be really, really rough. Like so, you know, you never know what I'm going to get into. But since Will has now named my segment, Wayne got to, not Wayne, uh, Will got to choose my topic for the month of May. Okay. And Will suggested that I talk about spirit conjuration. Spirit conjuration. Yes. Okay, I am, I am so all in So tonight we're going to talk about... Uh, Talking to the dead, bringing the bed back to, back to life, necromancy, never, never EVPs, Ouija boards, spirit boxes, seance. We're going to talk about it. Um, I also have a listener story to share tonight. So I'm excited that's for that. Exciting. We'll, that's going to come at, towards the end. Um, but, and also we're going to talk about some pop culture while we're at it too so nice. we got a whole packed episode Let's tonight um so but before we get into it we have any kind of weird creepy news lately anything you've heard of um i mean the talk's all about aliens right now because supposedly we're supposed to get the big alien reveal in the next week or two right? yeah that's what i'm hearing mm. i'll believe it when we'll i see, see. it we'll i'll believe see. it when i see it but i think that's as far as i got like weird news but yeah so, yeah. uh, anyway, so we're going to just go ahead and we are going to get into it, guys. Um, so, when you think of spirit conjuration in popular culture, mm-hmm. uh, you can think of a, a lot of different things. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But one of the things that I absolutely think about when it comes to communication with spirits within pop culture, I think of Star Wars. Do you want to know why? Why do you think of Star because Wars? Because of fucking force ghosts. Because yes. when you are watching the end of Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. Yoda stops Obi Wan and says, "I'm going basically. I'm not going to speak like Yoda, okay? Because we're yeah. just not going to do that here. Right. But he basically he tells Obi Wan, "Hey, dude, I've learned how to uh, communicate with people that have." passed from the force specifically your old master Qui-Gon Jinn during your exile I'm going to teach you how to commune with him we don't really get into that because hopefully they'll go get into that with the Obi-Wan series on Disney plus so that would be fantastic to see yes but um so really let's break it down though okay Mm -hmm. what is a force ghost so a force ghost as defined by Wookiee Wikipedia. Oh, Wikipedia. You're it. welcome. I love it. <laughs> is uh, basically, this is a Jedi that has um, passed away, mm-hmm. a force sensitive individual, 
a force ghost is the soul and essence of this individual who denied the will of the force upon death, yet was able to interact with the living. It's described as those who committed a final act of selflessness that led to their death and had come to terms with it. Um, Sith Lord, some Sith Lords were able to learn a similar technique. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really get into that too much, but you know, when you watch the Star Wars movies, you see Luke talk to Obi Wan Kenobi. We you do. see him talk with Yoda. You see Ray interact with Luke. Yeah. I mean, and all the other Force ghosts at the end of Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, there's something to be said with, like, spirit communication and how innately we're all fascinated with it. Because it's not just that. You have the exorcist, too. Because see, what, what, I... start, what started off the exorcist Reagan mm-hmm. playing with a Ouija board, yep. communicating with a spirit. And that's what I was going to say when I think of this yeah. topic. That's what I think about is that because that is literally my favorite horror movie. Mm-hmm. I love that movie so much. It holds such a near and dear place in my heart, which it was. Exactly. But and then you also have <laughs> all these reality TV shows. You know, you have ghost hunters, you have ghost adventures, you have, um, dead files, dead files, you have ghost nation where all these people are going out and trying to communicate with these spirits, you know, to help people that may not understand exactly what's going on around them or trying to prove the existence of the other side. And of course ratings, but you know, right. But you, they use a variety of different tools. Mm-hmm. to do this right um and of course we're gonna get into that but what i really really would like to start out with is okay. something that has caught my attention okay and i am very very excited um also really excited because i heard about it on um scared to death yesterday too so i was like oh i'm gonna talk about this guy on the podcast this is fantastic this has made my day right so um, have you ever heard of Anatoly Moskvin? I have not. Okay. Well, we're going to tell you. Okay. Anatoly Yuryevich Moskvin was born September 1st of 1966. Mm-hmm. He was a Russian linguist, philologist, and historian from Nitsi Novgorod who was arrested in 2011 after the mummified bodies of 26 girls and women between the ages of 3 and 25 were discovered in his apartment. After exhuming the bodies from local cemeteries, he mummified these bodies himself before dressing and posing them around his home. His parents, who shared the apartment with him, knew of these mummies but mistook them for very what? large dolls. 25? Mm-hmm. Tw- okay. So was he like Ed Gein and he went and he dug them up out of no. the grave? No, I'm going to get into it. He, what's the kicker with this? He did not murder any of these people. No, Ed Gein didn't murder all of them either. He went and dug them out of the graves. Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. I'm going to tell you, but let's get you a little bit of information about this guy, okay? Okay. Um, He grew up in the fifth largest city in Russia, which is Nitsi Novgorod, but I've always known it as Novgorod. I've never known it as Nitsi, but it is neither here nor there. Um, He began wandering around through cemeteries with friends when he was still a boy, and in particular, they visited the Krasnaya Etna Cemetery located in the Leninsky district of Novgorod. Um, He attributed his interest in the dead 
to a childhood incident during which he witnessed a funeral possession, procession for an 11-year-old girl. He alleged that the participants mm. forced him to kiss the dead girl's face, writing that an adult pushed my face down to the waxy forehead of the girl in an embroidered cap and there was nothing I could do but kiss her as ordered. He graduated from the Philological F Faculty of Moscow State University and he became well-known academic circles. His main areas of academic interest were Celtic history and folklore, as well as languages and linguistics. He had a deep interest in cemeteries, burial rituals, death, and the occult. He had a personal library of over 60,000 books and documents, as well as a quite large doll collection. So, I have a question. Yeah. The 11-year-old that he was forced to kiss in the coffin... Does it say how he knew this No, person? he did not know them. He just happened to be in the cemetery during this procession. And I don't know if me as, if it was one of my family members, if I would want just a random person kissing it's my deceased it's, child. I don't know, man. Uh, that, that, that's what caught me off guard. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. He doesn't I don't know this know. child? And, and they were forcing him to kiss this dead yeah. person? You're only asking for trouble when you when Get you older. Do yeah. But as an adult, he led a very secluded life. He never married or dated, mm. preferring to live with his parents. And he abstained from drinking alcohol and smoking and purportedly still a virgin. Mm. In 2016, it was reported that he planned to marry a 25-year-old native of his hometown who attended his trial. Um, now, as far as his career go, he was a former lecturer in Celtic studies at Novgorod Linguistic University, previously working at the Institute of Foreign Languages. He's a philologist, linguist, and polyglot who speaks eh, who speaks thirteen languages. So he was smart. He was extremely Very smart. smart. He okay. wrote. He's written several books, papers, and translations, all well known in academic circles. He occasionally worked as a journalist and rarely contributed to local newspapers and publications. He described himself as a necropolist. He was considered an expert on local cemeteries within the Novgorod region. Um. He, in 2005, Oleg Ryabov, a fellow academic and publisher, actually commissioned him to summarize and list the dead in more than 700 cemeteries in 40 regions of the Nietzsche Novgorod Oblast. He claimed that between 2005 and 2007, he had gone on foot to inspect 752 cemeteries across this region, walking up to 30 kilometers, which is about 18.6 miles a day. Oh, um, he drank wow. during these travels. He drank Goodness. from puddles, spent nights in haystacks and at abandoned farms, or he slept in the cemeteries themselves, even going so far as to spend a night in a coffin being prepared for a funeral. So as you can tell, he Whoa. had a, um, he unhealthy had obsession with death. He had the love of the dead. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> now. During his travels, he was often questioned by police about the suspicion of vandalism and theft, but he was never arrested or detained after stating his credentials and the purpose for him being there. So they would always let him go. Mm -hmm. Now, the work itself is unpublished, remaining still, but it's been described as unique and priceless by Alexei Yezdin, the editor of Necrologies, a weekly paper to which Moskvin was a regular contributor. Um, but... Most anybody, when he was arrested, a lot of people were like, no way, he's innocent, you know, he's going to be exonerated. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, they were always like, yeah, he was a loner and he had weird quirks and everything, but he never gave any kind of indication of, you know, he was up to anything weird. Right. You know what I mean? He was a geek. Yeah. But he was 
he did his thing, I did mine. He seemed like a chill yeah. guy kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm getting the vibes. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to get into his motives for what he was doing. And we're going to talk about his arrest. And um, he was arrested November 2nd, 2011 by police investigating grave desecrations in cementaries in and around Novgorod. Investigators from the Center for Combating Extremism discovered 26 bodies, initially reported as 29, in his apartment and garage. Video that was released by the police shows the bodies seated on shelves and sofas in small rooms full of books, papers, and just clutter. Although only 26 bodies were discovered in his home, he is suspected of desecrating as many as 150 graves after they found numerous grave accoutrements such as metal nameplates removed from headstones. They also discovered instructions for making the dolls, maps of cemeteries, and collection of photographs and videos depicting open grave and disinterred bodies, though none of this evidence could be conclusively connected to any that were found in the apartment. According to their investigation, the bodies primarily came from cemeteries in the Novgorod region, though some may have come from as far away as Moscow. He actively cooperated with the investigators and claimed he made the dolls over the course of 10 years. His parents, who were away for large portions of the year, were unaware of these activities. Mm -hmm. He was charged under Article 244, the criminal code for the desecration of graves and dead bodies, a charge which carried up to five years in prison. Mm-hmm. He was originally also accused of having defaced the graves of Muslims, considered a hate crime, but this charge was dropped. Um, they did a psychiatric evaluation on him, and it was determined that he suffered from a form of paranoia, paranoid schizophrenia. Uh, he had a hearing on 25th of May 2012 where he was deemed unfit to stand trial, and that released him from criminal liability. He was instead sentenced to coercive medical measures and was... Um, then moved to a psychiatric clinic. Um, the prosecution was satisfied with the decision and they did not appeal this verdict. He was removed to the psychiatric clinic with his stay to be reviewed regularly. In 2013, um, a hearing approved the extension of his psychiatric treatment and his treatment again extended in April 2014 and then again in 2015. Um, it's absolutely clear at, in 2014, a spokesman did state that after these three years of monitoring him in a f- psychiatric clinic, it's he's not mentally fit for trial. He'll therefore be kept in psychiatric treatment at the clinic. In 2018, they stated he was no longer dangerous and petitioned for him to be released for outpatient care from home. However, in 2019, a subsequent psychiatric evaluation found that it was too early to release him and they withdrew their petition. So he is still alive and he is still incarcerated within a psychiatric facility. So here's my thought. Do you think that he had it in his mind that he was doing this as like a scientific experiment no we're gonna get into it because i'm about to tell you his motive because he actually gave an interview about why he did it is this on youtube i wonder it might be there's plenty of videos on it too so yeah um in an interview like i said after his arrest he stated he felt he felt great sympathy for the dead children and thought that they could be brought back to life by either science or black magic as an expert and the Celtic culture, he learned that the ancient Druids slept on graves in order to communicate with spirits of their dead. He also studied the culture of the people of Siberia, in particular the ancient Yakuts, and discovered that they had a similar practice for communicating with the dead. So he began searching for obituaries of recently deceased children, and when he found an 
obituary that spoke to him, he would then sleep on the child's grave in order to determine if that spirit wished to be brought back to life. Mm. He claimed he'd been doing this for around 20 years and insisted that when he began, he never dug up a grave without permission of the child within. Um, He did state that as he got older, it became physically painful for him to sleep on the grave, so he began bringing the bodies home where it would be more comfortable to sleep near them. And he hoped that the spirits would be more willing to speak in a safe, welcoming home and that they might be easier to hear when they were no longer underground. So he would then (sighs) dig up the corpses and then he researched mummification theories and techniques in an attempt to preserve oh. the bodies. He would dry the corpses using a combination of salt and baking soda. And then he would store them in dry, secure places in and around cemeteries. And once these bodies had dried, he would carry them home where he used various different methods to make these dolls in an attempt to give the children functional bodies to be used when he eventually discovered a way to bring them back to life feeling that their physical remains were too decayed and ugly for them to feel comfortable or happy. Um, So when he found he was unable to prevent the bodies from withering up and shrinking as they dried out, he would wrap the limbs in strips of cloth and then stuff them with rags and padding to provide fullness. And sometimes he would add wax masks decorated with nail polish over the faces before dressing them in brightly colored children's clothes and wigs. This made the bodies appear to look like large homemade dolls which is what prevented them from being discovered so you said his parents knew nothing about what he was doing they just thought they were ugly dolls they just thought the smell they were already dead and dried out when he brought them home he never brought a fresh body home okay so they would you wouldn't smell the 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 decomposition because they'd already been mummified and dried out. So there wouldn't right, really be right, a right, smell. Right, right, right. And the way he would do these bodies up, they would look like these really ugly homemade dolls. And so they just thought their son had a, Your was just really bad dolls? at making dolls. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's unclear if each of these dolls actually contained a full set of human remains though. Oh. And he was aware that he was committing a crime but he felt that the dead children were calling out to him to be rescued and believed that rescuing the children was more important than obeying the law. He was um, also motivated by his own desire to have children, specifically a daughter, and he often regretted that he never had children and at one point attempted to adopt a young girl against the wishes of his parents, but his application was declined due to his low income. He's denied any sexual attraction to the dolls and instead considered them to be his children. He spoke to and interacted with them, sang songs to them, watched cartoons with them, and even held birthday parties and celebrated holidays for their benefits. This is sounding so much like (coughs) the movie Dead Silence. (laughs) But this is all true. Right. And I'm... uh, But what got me was his motivation for it. Right. Because he was wanting to communicate with these deceased children. Yeah. Because that's... Pretty much what happened exactly in the mm-hmm. movie Dead Silence. Yeah, and so and I wonder if this is based off of that. If Dead Silence, if that it's movie possible. was based off of that scenario, it's possible. But um, the reason I wanted to talk about it was because of that whole the motive for it, where he was like he wanted to communicate these dead ch- with these dead children and try to use either science or occult methods to bring Mm -hmm. them back this dude was into necromancy 
Mm. Bringing back the dead, man. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, he, he was extremely smart. Right. Extremely smart. Of course, obviously, he has a mental illness. But to me, it was like, this is so weird that I have to talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, I felt it kind of fit in with the whole theme I have going of wanting to talk to the dead and trying to conjure a spirit to, that's another reason why I find dolls so inherently creepy is because it's an empty vessel. And if you communicate with a spirit like, oh, here, you can live in this doll and live again. You know, it's, it's, um, no. Chucky. (laughs) Yeah, we're not doing that. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on him? I think that you can communicate with the other side. Oh, yeah. Um, I have no doubt in my mind that you can because... We've done it. I have done it. It's it's happened. However, I don't know if I would go as far as to dig a body out of a grave. I really don't. I just thought it was interesting that he was trying to follow... um, ancient practices of spirit communication of mm-hmm. staying in a place so close to the dead in the attempt to communicate with that deceased person because right. he felt so bad for them yeah you know he and all he wanted to do deep empathy he had for such them. that deep empathy for the child and it's like yeah. he never killed any of these children right he he didn't do anything bad to these kids except dig them up and turn them into dolls right but Still, at the end of the day, when you think about it, his intent was not malicious. I I know this is going to make me sound really weird, but I follow this page on YouTube called Ask a Mortician. I do too. (laughs) Okay. Because I'm intrigued on what people choose to do with their bodies after they pass away. I'm intrigued on... I'm going to be turned into a vinyl record. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to know what the laws are with that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, she works in California. So, of course, it's different everywhere. But um, you, you just can't go digging up a body without um, legal documentation. Yeah, you, just, you, can't, you just, can't just can't do, do it. that. But, uh, in Colorado, though, well, you, you can turn your cult leader into, into a, a mommy. mommy. I that mean, let's not, let's not get, that's a whole nother podcast, that's man. Illegal that's illegal in, in Colorado. That's a whole nother, that that's a whole nother bag Amy, of worms. That's a recommendation. I think we should do a story on that one. Oh, are we going to revisit cults? Okay. Uh, I'm down um, with that. Uh, I want to, that one specifically, because that one, when, when I watched that video, I was like, these people really <laughs> did this. Right. So, um. But yeah, I just yeah. thought that was very yeah, absolutely very interesting. Absolutely, that in a way he was trying to. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm going to look it up right evoke now. Evoke and conjure these dead children to re-inhabit their bodies and try to talk to them. And I just thought that was very interesting because you know, that, to him it was really was a form of conjuration. He was big into it. And of course, in case you don't know the definition of conjuration, um, traditionally it's a magical act invoking spirits or using incantations or charms to cast magical spells. Um, yeah. You know, it's basically, it comes from the Latin conjure, conjurer to swear together, and it can be interpreted in several different ways um, an invocation or evocation, um, an exorcism, act of producing effects by magical means. Uh, 
basically, you know, you evoke the goddess when you're, if you are of the deity persuaded and you follow the craft or the path or whatever, right. you evoke the goddess, you evoke spirits. Um, most witches I know will, they have their own ways of pondering. We're not really going to get into the technicalities of that because that will be here all night. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we will be here all night. Um, I did look that up and it's not based off of him but it's based off of a true story or legend right Mm -hmm. of a woman named mary shaw and that's where the poem comes from beware the stare of mary shaw yeah she has no humans only dolls if you see her in your dreams beware to never ever scream i find that extremely strange that you know that (laughs) but (laughs) then again i'm not questioning it it is what it is okay yeah we're not going to go there. Um, but um, it does say that uh, she was buried with her dolls and figured out that her the curse was real. And then there's a ghost story around that. Yeah. You know. But I just found it. If you've seen the movie it, and, or read the, sto- read the poem, you know you the know. story. Don't but I just, I just but, found um, that this Russian guy was just very interesting about the way he was going about to try to communicate. Um now, typically, when you think of spirit communication, the first thing that pops into your head is a damn Ouija board. Absolutely. Who, raise your hand if you've ever played with a Ouija board. Raises my hand. Raises my hand. <laughs> I mean, there's many different thoughts. A lot of people consider Ouija boards tools. A lot of people consider Ouija boards the devil. There's oh, a yeah. good lot of people that believe that it's just a piece of cardboard and plastic. Right. You know? For me... I think that you have to be extremely careful when you are trying to communicate with the other side in any way, um, including a Ouija board, because you really, truly never know what's going to come through. Absolutely. You really, truly don't know if who they say they are, they are. Exactly. Because it could be somebody pretending to be that other person because they want to still communicate with you and they want an in. So you do have to be careful when you do those things. Yeah. Um, but for those in the back who don't know what a Ouija board is or yeah. where it comes from. Explain to us what a Ouija board is. I will is. explain to you what a Ouija board is. It's a spirit board or it's also been called a talking board. Um, you'll have the letters of the alphabet on it, the number zero to nine, the words yes, no, and sometimes hello and goodbye. You'll also have sometimes they'll be very plain. Some will have pictures but you always have a little small heart-shaped piece of wood that we call a planchette. And it's a movable, movable indicator to spell out the messages. Um, you place your fingers on the planchette and it is moved about the board to spell out words. Now, of course, Ouija is what it's called by because that was what it was trademarked by Hasbro. Right. But before it was trademarked... was a toy for kids. Yeah. Um, before it was trademarked and you know basically sold as a board game mm-hmm. um it was used by spiritualists yeah as a way to contact the dead to speak to the dead and it's been used for thousands of years the first mention <coughs> of like basically using a automatic writing <coughs> method similar to the Sorry. ouija board was actually found in china around 1100 a.d in the documents of um the historical song of Di- song dynasty it was a method known as Fuji called planchette writing. It was using it as a means of Sorry. necromancy and communion with the spirit world 
and all but under special rituals and supervisions. So it was practiced way back in China. Um, But people have always used them to, you know, talk with the dead. And supposedly, you know, you put your hands on the Ouija board, you ask questions, and supposedly the spirit will move it. Now, a lot, there's some camps that believe that you're on that the participants when you're playing with a Ouija board are unconsciously moving the planchette yeah that it's just minuscule muscle movements you don't even think you're moving but in reality you are are. yeah um and then you have the other camp who have seen the planchettes move on the board on their own without anybody touching it me being one right so And a little fun fact for our listeners, it was two years ago, I had a Christmas gift here at Amy and Tenny's house, (laughs) and the gift said, to Ashley from Denny, and maybe Amy, yeah, and maybe Aiden, and maybe Lila, I opened it up, and it was a wallet, with a Ouija board. With a Ouija, with a Ouija board. That it, was, it had the Ouija board all over it. I was oh, yeah. like, really? I mean, I'm always... still using that wallet, by the way. It was yeah. a good purchase. It was. Thank you, Diddy. You did that. <laughs> <laughs> it was but, like two um, years ago. Thank you. The wallet is still in amazing condition, and I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And of course, but <clears throat> as with anything, um, you have to be careful when you use a Ouija board. You have to protect yeah. yourself and well, know you're what you're doing. Anyway, you never know who's side. coming in on the other side of that exactly. board. I mean, exactly. we've all heard of the Zozo Demon, haven't yes. we? Yes. Where you'll be playing with the Ouija board and it'll just start going back and forth to Z O Z O Z O, and supposedly that's the demon of the Ouija board. And I've never personally had that happen to me. Me neither. I don't personally believe in that, but um, if you have, Jeez, give me a story. <clears throat> Would you please? Yes. Appreciate you. We would love to hear if any of you have ever used a Ouija board in general and what kind of stories that you have with using them. Was it a bad experience? Was it a good experience? Yeah. We'll tell you how to let us know. Did you get haunted after you used it? Did you you have a bad experience with it? Right. Like, I want to know. Like, did you get freaked out and you'll never touch one of those things ever again? Did you have to burn the board? Did you have to bury it? Right. What'd you do? We want um, to know. Yes. Let so, us know. <laughs> and of course, going back to the exorcist, Reagan plays with the Ouija board, yes. which again, I typically think a lot of that has to do with um, adding a kind of a negative stereotype to it. Because as with Absolutely. any form <clears throat> of divination or spirit communication, you are opening yourself up to communication for the other side. You don't mm-hmm. know who wants to talk on the other side. Right. So, kind of got to be careful with that. Yes. Um, Not saying... That you can be possessed, but I'm just saying you can be you possessed. Can be possessed. <laughs> just um, be careful, kids. True, true story. Yeah, just saying. So, heed our warning. Know what you're doing before you get involved with one. Do not do it alone. Yeah, don't play with Ouija boards alone. That's not fun. It's not fun, and then and, there's nobody there to back you up in case something happens. Right. So, um, there's other ways. <clears throat> you know, most popular is the Ouija board, but. Yes. Um, and I'm sure if you've got some kind of app store on your phone, yeah. you've found, I mean, has anybody watched Huff Paranormal on fucking YouTube? He's got his wonder boxes that, 
inherently allow direct spirit communication. You have EVPs where you use a voice recorder. You ask questions of the spirits and they respond. You listen back. I've seen it on YouTube where these The dowsing rods? Yeah. And then it's like, if it's a yes, cross. If it's a no, spread apart. Yeah. What's your guess? It's like with a pendulum. (laughs) Right. Um, Pendulum can be used in almost the same way as a Ouija board, except the board is round. Right. You'll have different sections for yes, different sections for no. You'll have letters. You'll have numbers. It's pretty much set the same way, but instead of using a planchette, you're using a pendulum, which can be anything. You could use a necklace. You can have a specifically made pendulum, which is a stone on a ring. Um, I have one that Ashley gave me that's moonstone and it's gorgeous and I love my pendulum. Mm-hmm. But what you'll do is we you'll give hold gifts it. to one another. I know. Can I just point that out? I got you tarot cards for Christmas. <laughs> you I mean, did. Damn. Jack Skellington. You damn right. Tarot cards. May and I. a serial killer tumbler. And You're welcome. Yes, yes. Um, and I drink out of that thing every <laughs> single day. <laughs> anyway, but with the pendulum, how you use a pendulum <clears throat> is you will hold it steady and then you will ask who your spirit guides or the spirits that you're trying to speak with to signal what their indication is for yes. And then the pendulum will either spin in a circle or go back right. and forth to indicate yes. And then you'll hold it still and you'll ask, okay, give me your indication for no. And then it'll spin and go back and forth. And that's their indication for no. Mm-hmm. And then I have found that when using a pendulum, Typically, yes or no questions work a lot better Oh yeah, than sure. trying to get a specific answer. Um, so do with that information what you will. But it's still a form of <clears throat> communication, even though you're speaking just in yes or no, and you're yeah. trying to um, get that response on the other side. Now, again, that also lends to the conversation of, oh, you may unconsciously be moving it, which, again, possible. possible. But I've seen these unique little things where people have made, like, mason jars and hung the pendulum in it. And that way it keeps the pendulum steady without you holding it or touching it. Now that's And cool. that you can still ask for the indication and it'll work that way, too. That's cool. So that's a little experiment I'd like to try. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be fun. So hey, let's 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 make that happen. Right. We can get a mason jar from. Basically. I've got mason jars out in the, out in the That's garage. That's what I'm saying. We can do it. <laughs> let's make that let's happen. Let's do it. Um, <clears throat> I am here for it. Another thing that. Um, we have a long weekend ahead of us. Right. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Let's do some EVP work. Yes. Um, you can use your phone for EVP work. I mean. We've done We've that. done that. And we got freaked out because my phone stopped recording on its own without being touched now i don't know about y'all but i have never been able to turn off a recording of a voice memo on my iphone without touching it or telling siri to turn it off yeah and that sucker just like stopped on me and i'm like um no we're out um we've used the spirit box apps yes where it'll you ask a question and it'll supposedly pick up on spirits energy they can manipulate it and use it to say words we do um they have a piece of equipment that i'm if you've watched ghost adventures or ghost hunters whatever they use what's called an ovulus Uh where the spirit uses the energy to manipulate this word bank in this piece of electronic that will um then correspond to form a word or a series of words to answer your questions um also, like I said, it, it, that's different ways of EVP. You've got Spirit Box where they use the static by scanning through um, 
radio waves mm-hmm. very quickly and using that white noise to communicate. Um, if you've watched any kind of like paranormal thing, if you've watched paranormal videos on YouTube, if you've watched right. it on TV, you know TikTok. that, yeah, I mean, Spirit Box, some people have gotten some very interesting like EVPs and everything like that where they've had full sentences come through on those things not just like a word here or there that could be easily misconstrued as just a word from like a radio station it picked up for like a second no like full coherent sentences that actually intelligently respond to the question being asked right and you know it everybody throughout the years have had a way to communicate with the other side and so many people have come up with different and new ways and there's always new ways being come up with and i just think it is incredibly awesome i agree i Um, agree and if you've ever had any of those experiences you know that feeling of like you know there's silence around you right and it's like you know like this is real like i don't know if this is specifically who they say they are but something is here like talking to me right personal experience using um evp my sister-in-law and i Mm -hmm. uh we had a voice recorder at one time um and this was right around the time that you and i went to the place yeah okay no not up the road but the other place okay um yeah, we'll never tell y'all where we go. No, um, no, those are our secrets. Yeah, um, but we went to the other place. It wasn't too long before that. Um, it was actually right around the time that Alvin died. Okay. And um, me and her were sitting in the back room of the trailer we were living in, and we were asking questions, and we actually got intelligent responses. I can't remember exactly what the responses were, but I remember <clears throat> hearing that those faint just responses like, absolutely clear and getting responses from them and i was like holy shit i knew this damn place was haunted right um but you'd be amazed at what you can hear on a recording when you think there's nothing but absolute silence and nobody's there i know i've left a voice recorder in a house running recording when i've not been home and nobody's home and come home and heard conversations on playing that back whatever you do though don't do it when you're sleeping at night because that'll fuck you up Oh, yeah. That sure. fuck I you can up. imagine. It's like, wait, wait. That was happening while I was sleeping? <laughs> Especially what? if you sleep talk. <laughs> or oh snore. Yeah. But sleep talking is even weirder. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, God. Who was I talking to? But I was asleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that will that will definitely freak you out. Um, so, you know, it, what what are your what are your thoughts? I, I, I hate being so one-sided sometimes <clears throat> when I get talking about stuff. Um, I I think that from personal experience, it's it's real. Um, I think that, you know, communicating to the other side is it can make you nervous. I know for me, it was like, wait a minute, is this really who I'm talking to? Right. It's good to have a healthy dose of skepticism. Right. When when I'm when I'm doing that. And then it's like, I think that just again, I reiterate, just be careful when you're doing that stuff. And if something is making you uncomfortable, speak up. Tell them, hey, you're making me uncomfortable. I need you to chill back. Yeah. And then if it continues or if it gets worse, you may want to reach out to somebody who knows how to handle 
that situation. Right. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> always be mindful because uh, you never know since the other side is very much unknown. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're talking to nine times out of ten. Right. Because you can't validate that you are speaking with the person you think you're speaking with. Right. Because mm, spirits of the not-so-great persuasion can lie. Absolutely. They're um, just like any other humans. Because they were at one point. <clears throat> right. Sometimes. And they can manipulate. They can lie. Of just course, like just human, like a human, because right? it, for the majority of them, they were human at one point. And right. And some of them may not even know that they're on the other side. That's very true. And some of them may not have been human before either. You could be speaking to an elemental. You could be speaking exactly. to a demon. You could be speaking to something of the light. You you really exactly. don't know. Don't it's kind of like a grab bag. Right. Um, so, again, you, if you want to attempt any of these options, just protect yourself and be smart, guys. Yes. Um, Please reach out to somebody who knows what they're doing before you do it. Do not right. do it alone, and do not do it with do other some people research before you do it. Don't know what they're doing. That's my recommendation. And that's if you believe in the stuff. <clears throat> if you don't believe in it, hey, that's cool. Do do with do the information you. what you will. Do you? Okay. I'm not liable. <laughs> no, me neither. I'm not liable, <laughs> not liable either. For it. We're just saying. We're telling you. Be careful. Right. And do um, your research. So yeah, but you know. <clears throat> To me, in just modern times, it's a way of whether you think when you think about it. Yeah, you may actually be evoking the spirits to communicate mm-hmm. to you because once they realize, oh, you can hear me, they're going to want to talk to you. Yeah, you may not have the slightest bit um, clairvoyant, clairaudient, psychic bone in your body, but as soon as you open yourself up to that. You become a beacon, and yeah. if they realize that you can hear them, they're gonna want to talk. Right, and I and I also think that on the opposite of the scary end of it, it is a way for you to be able to communicate with those that you love. Absolutely, and it's a way for you to maybe help people that you love be able to reach people that they love. Right, and that's when we get down to mediumship. Of course, exactly. the medium. Um, is one and I that feel like can... I have a little bit of mediumship in me. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. A little but, bit. Uh, mediumship, when it comes down to it, is <clears throat> being able to actually interact with spirits without having to use a tool. Right. Um, you are the tool. Yeah. You know, there are <laughs> such things as mediums who are physical mediums. They get feelings. They can feel. They right. can hear. They can right. see. They have the whole shebang. You have some that they only get pictures and then they have to interpret those pictures they don't necessarily hear the spirits or see the spirits you have some that can see them and then again have to interpret what they what they're moving and what they're Mm -hmm. meaning what they're showing you Mm -hmm. then you have the ones that you can hear them you may not be able to see them but you can kind of feel the there you can hear you can give the message going forward um a lot of mediums that I know or have seen of actually use tarot cards to help yeah. with this. Um, again, another form of communication and divination. Um, I don't necessarily see tarot cards so much as a form of no. spirit communication. Mm-mm. No. I see more of it as a intuition type yeah. deal where you, you, you kind of having to do some interpretation of the symbolism and... Uh, to me, it's more of like an intuition kind of thing. Yeah. That's I mean, just me. for me, I believe in spirit gods. 
Okay, I believe that there are spirits that are there to guide you or whatever. And I feel like that a lot of that comes from your intuition and it kind of guides your intuition. Well, yeah. well in that case, which could tarot be cards could be used that. as a form of communication if you're using it to connect with like a higher power or your spirit guide or whatever you believe in. And exactly. you're using you use those tarot it. cards to interpretate a message from <clears throat> your higher self, your spirit yeah. guides whatever it is you're believing in that you are trying to communicate to kind of gain intuition about a situation or everything but just understand things are always in flux when you make a decision so the cards could tell you one thing they may not come true because you may have made a decision that changed that outcome right so or you may not have liked that outcome so you may do things to try to make sure that that outcome does not happen or in my case you forget about it and then like oh shit well, there you go. Yeah. So. <laughs> My tarot cards is good. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, they I should have listened. what they were talking about. <laughs> I should have listened. But, um, so yeah, that, that can be used as a form of spirit communication when you think about it. Yeah. Um, to me, you know, I do have a touch of clairaudience. Mm-hmm. I can hear. It's not like I constantly hear, but every so often if I get myself in the right mindset mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm actually open to it. I can typically hear, but I've, I've been that way since I was young, which most of the times if you have that kind of a way of communicating or you have that kind of, I don't necessarily want to call it a power or a gift or something, but if you have that kind of extrasensory perception at some point, typically you can, um, it kind of manifests itself at a young age. Mm-hmm. And either it you does. ignore it and you just don't use it. It's just like any any muscle, if you will. If, if your child has an imaginary friend, they're probably... They're either really lonely, they have a great imagination, or they might be talking mm. to a dead person. Yeah. We don't yeah. know. In my case, I was probably talking to dead people. But... <laughs> there you go. It kind of runs in my family, there though. There you go. I mean, for um, me, I I can see... And I have heard, so I have a little bit of, mostly I can see, but I have had times where I could hear. Mine is specifically. Especially with people with, that I know. Yeah. Like I, I, or I'm supposed to know. Yeah. I can hear them. Well, typically with me, it's, um, I've kind of, as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned to tune it out. You know what I mean? So typically when it happens to me, I'm not really paying attention to much of anything i'm kind of just zoned out i'm not in the mood um or it gets me when i've really been meditating a lot yeah and um for me it's when i'm mostly when i'm sleeping like when i'm in that because i normally that can also be called auditory hallucination i normally don't dream anything like i normally either i dream and i don't remember it but the times that I do, it's been a message from the other side telling me, yeah. hey. Well, hey, even dreams can be a communication. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That That's a big form of communication with me is dreams. And I, I've, I've experienced it other times, obviously, but that's when I mostly get mine yeah. is in my dreams, which... I mean, I'm, I'm you know, pretty decent at interpreting dreams. For me, it's not like having a full-blown conversation with somebody that's not there. It's like, you're not going to see me sitting here talking to myself. Um, even right. though sometimes you probably have. But yeah. <laughs> um, that's neither here nor there. But a lot of times with me, it'll be um, hearing my name being called repeatedly. 
and like each voice is always and each voice is always different. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, like you you know everybody sounds different. Mm-hmm. Everybody sounds different. Well, it's the same way with spirits. If you are clairaudient and you hear them, you can tell a difference in a voice that you know versus a voice you don't know. And a lot of times you think you're going crazy. A lot of times. Absolutely. Or you tell yourself, I'm just hearing shit. I'm too tired for this. I'm, I need to go to sleep. I need a nap. Mm-hmm. You know. Most right. of the time I tune stuff out because I stay so busy mm-hmm. that I don't have that I'm just, I'm never in the zone really to hear it. But, you know, when I'm doing my stuff and when I've actually meditated for a while, I'm kind of more open to getting that kind of communication. But it's not something that happens off. But if I do go to a place I've never been before, it's got real high energy, yeah, and it's a like, okay, y'all just shut up. I get headaches really bad when that happens. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, kind of feeling a lot of energy where I went last weekend a week and was it the weekend before last yeah you went to go visit ed Gein's grave i did we'll, we'll talk about that we on will. ashley's bowl of cereal yeah. that's gonna be fun um but when that really boils down to honestly is that anything you can think of can be a form of spirit communication i mean automatic writing have you ever heard of that Mm-mm. what it is is that if you have a Sensitive, actually anybody can really do it, but you have to be open to the communication. You kind of have to meditate oh, and put yourself you into a... Let your, you let it write. You close you your eyes, right, you yeah. take a piece of paper, okay, you have yeah, like a pen that. or a pencil or a piece of chalk or something in your hand, just something to write with, something to write on. And you ask questions, you hold the pen, you stay completely still, and supposedly what happens is that the spirit will take your hand and write out the message, and it's called automatic writing. You're mm-hmm. not writing it. But again, um, with anything, it does take a healthy dose of skepticism. Yeah. Because you could be unconsciously moving your hand. You could unconsciously be doing it. Um you know, always have a, with any of these forms, always have a healthy dose, a dose of skepticism because, you know, use the scientific method, really. Because yeah. if you have something that happens typically the same way, well, then that that's cause for, okay, this isn't me. Throwing in different controls, having you do it and then having somebody else do it and then comparing. And then, or if you're going to be doing EVP work, be in separate rooms away from each other where you can't contaminate the audio and ask the same questions at mm-hmm. the same time. And then when you go to listen back, compare and see if you got a response. And if you both got responses, see if it was the same response and the same kind of intonation or if it was different responses, maybe you're dealing with different spirits. Yeah, A, a place can be haunted by more than one thing. Yeah be visited by more than one thing so um you know always have like a control you know what i mean you know if you're if you're going out there to prove or if you're just doing it for kicks i mean that's one thing but still have an idea of what you're doing right you don't want to take anything home with you that you don't want going home with you yeah um because you know we all do these things i feel like everybody at some point in their life goes through one of these kind of phases where they're like it's the adrenaline rush yeah you want to go check out the old creepy house you want to go see oh let's talk to spirits oh let's play with the ouija board you know i think we all kind of go through that and some of us it just sticks with us for the rest of their life yeah 
<laughs> but um yeah it happens it does happen it happens <laughs> so yes that's spirit communication for you yes and um hope you enjoyed all the information yes it's kind of basic i think as you may the most interesting part was talking about the um the weirdo <laughs> yeah i mean i can't call him a weirdo but i mean it just it really is strange and it's Very just strange. out there because you would think of Very somebody strange. with that kind of behavior like is serial killer level you know what would i mean be like ed Gaines and murder at least three people but he's saying? not that's but he wasn't a serial killer that's, that's why i felt I, I felt so excited to talk about that because i was like ooh, this is kind of serial killer ish but not Right. It's kind of like so he's kinda talking fits. to the dead. I so love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. Yes. So now <clears throat> it is time. Is it? It is time. Is it a letter time? It is a Yay! letter from our listener. Okay. Let's hear it. So guys, this story comes from our very own Will Albritton. Oh, yay, Will. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. You and we are going to get right into it. Okay. We were on Christmas break in my second great year in 1987 when my dad decided to move our family to Northern Virginia. We were a relatively young family. My sister was still a toddler. I was an eight-year-old, and both of my parents were in their mid-twenties. My dad had found us a single wide trailer outside the city of Fredericksburg to rent. We all know that new and unfamiliar places can generate many emotions, both positive and negative, and I was looking forward to this new life. The trailer was down a gravel road that had other trailers each sitting on its own little acre of land. Just behind these trailers was a densely wooded area. When we first moved in, we had very little to our names. In fact, my parents' mattress was on the living room floor and us kids had no furniture. We accrued pieces here and there over time until eventually we had to each go to our separate rooms. My parents' room was at one end of the trailer and my sister's room was the smallest bedroom next to theirs. On the opposite end of the trailer was my room that was conveniently equipped with a half bath. But, to me, there always seemed to be a dark black cloud hanging over that room. And that's where the story begins. Mm. A little warning before moving ahead. I was 8 years old at this time. I'm now 41, so the timeline is a little skewed from event to event, but I will try to keep it as orderly as possible. When we moved in, I came down with strep throat several times. My dad insisted that I was not old enough for medication in pill form. I, however, was not. When he would give me the -the over-the-counter pills to break my fever, I would hide them and later spit them out. One night, when everyone was asleep, I woke up in a fevered state with the need to vomit. I ran to my little half-bath and puked my guts out. When I raised my head from the toilet bowl in the upper corner of the bathroom wall, I saw several demonic faces floating in a circle. Was this a dream? Was this a hallucination brought on by a high fever? I don't know. All I know is 33 years later, it feels like yesterday. Of course, it scared me to death, and I ran to my bed and hid under my blankets until I fell asleep. It seems like after this event, all the other stuff started to ramp up. My mom wanted a dog to help her feel safe while my dad was at work, so my dad bought us a puppy. She-Ra was on TV at the time, and I was a fan, so this little pup took on her name. I was terrified to sleep in my room, so I would sleep in the living room on the floor with my head at the bottom of the entertainment center. She-Ra would crawl into the entertainment center and sleep by my head. One morning, I woke up and Shira was dead and covered in worms, almost looking as if they exploded out of her tiny little puppy body. I know this incident may not have anything to do with the paranormal. However, the scene was so horrific that the visual stays with me all these years later. After this, my dad decided to rescue an older German shepherd by the name of Esty. 
Esty was very protective and got along well with my sister and me, and she was also very tame and well-mannered. The first time we left Esty home alone, the back door had been bent outwards. She was so determined to get out of that house that she used all of her strength to bend that door out and escape. Mm-hmm. This was a one-time incident. It ha- this was not a one-time incident. It happened another two to three times. What was she trying to get away from? Who was she trying to get away from? Was she just experiencing some extreme form of separation anxiety? Or was she able to see or feel something sinister enough to pump her adrenaline to the point that she was scared and strong enough to bend that metal door and get out of that trailer? Lastly, one night my dad is doing everything to make sure I sleep in my room and I'm still terrified to go in there. We come to an agreement that I could sleep in my sister's room that night. I went to bed before anyone, and as I'm laying there in the bed facing the hallway, my dad walks by and says, Good night, son, and continues to walk to his bedroom. A few seconds later, he walks by in the same direction, in the same manner, and using the same inflection in his voice says, Good night, son. It was almost as if life had hit the 15-second back button, in this case, about five seconds. There was no way. My entire life, I've tried to explain away this instance, and nothing logically adds up. Mm. Was it an evil doppelganger? my imagination or did some entity try to show me that there was no escaping the horror-filled anxiety as long as i was in this trailer fast forward to the following summer and we are moving out of this trailer into a house in dale city a neighbor girl of about 16 years old at the time offers to help my mother and she accepts once we had everything moved in the new house the girl had something to say she wasn't mature enough to realize she shouldn't say such a thing in front of my sister and i so there were no whispers she made this comment loud and clear Girl, you guys are so lucky to be getting away from that area. Mom, it wasn't terrible, but I felt uneasy the whole time we were there. Girl said, well, you know they were performing satanic rituals in the woods right behind your house, right? Mom, oh my God, no, we had no idea that was ever going on. We took the young girl home and never saw her again. This was a big split-level house we moved to, and we were there for about 18 months. In those 18 months, I did not experience one paranormal, creepy, or unexplained moment. Those months were mostly filled with happiness and joy. It was still new. I was still young. So if it were as simple as a new environment causing all those negative emotions, why didn't I experience that in the new house? Also, while we were there, I never came down with strep throat. Wow. That is wild. I love Will's stories because he has so many. I love it. And that gave me goosebumps. I love it. I gave me goosebumps. So, Will, this begs the question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Send me more stories. <laughs> I would love for this to be on your this segment. This needs to be on my segment every every, every month. time. I every need month. it. Please, I think that you is guys, fantastic. Send us your stories yes. because we would love to have story time with Amy. Yes, I I want to have story time. Um, so if yes. you have a story, it can be real. It can be fictional. Yes. Let us one, decide. Yes. Do you really want to try and creep us out? Yes. Or because we love being creepy. Do you want to? I mean, it can be fictional. It can be the truth, and let us figure out which is which. Mm-hmm. So, um, that being said, if you guys have a story, please email me at witchesbelikepod at gmail dot com. It can be totally anonymous. We do not have to share your name if you don't want to. If you do, mm-hmm. we will. If you don't, that's fine too. We'll leave it out. Um, or you can send a message on Facebook Messenger. Yes. Uh, through our We're Facebook on page. TikTok as well. Yes, we are on TikTok. Woohoo. So y'all um, can direct message us on TikTok. Right. We do have an Instagram, but we don't post anything on it. <laughs> right. But you can still direct yeah. message us. We'll get it. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it. Yeah. DM us. So, um, with that being said, we hope 
that you enjoyed. I did enjoy our this one. episode on talking with the dead. I enjoyed this one. So I yes. had fun. I had fun researching. Yes. Um, and here's too many more. So, uh, guys, I give us a like. I to tell you guys my stories about I can't my wait visit. for you to tell us about the visit. So that's going to be great. <laughs> I'm so excited. And I hope you got pictures. I did. Cool. We'll yes. post them up on Facebook when yes. that when we post the next episode. Yes. And I think that'll I be great. posted it. Did you? I don't I, know. I, I don't pay attention the time. I can't remember. I think you sent them to me. Did I? You probably just sent them to me a messenger. I can't remember. <laughs> we'll post them again. Anyway. <laughs> we'll post them again when we post her episode next month. Yes. Um, so, uh, if you guys would, please subscribe to wherever you listen to us. Pandora to channel. Before you leave, subscribe. <laughs> Sorry. We've watched way too much Laura Lee and Beauty Gurus on YouTube in the day. So, it is what it is. Um, so, but what? please give us a subscribe to give us a like, tell your friends about us. Please. And if you would, please leave us a review on, right. um, Apple podcasts. Cause that really helps us out. Yes. And you know, kind of helps get helps us, us a us bigger audience, helps us grow, helps us find new stories and new everything. We and so we're so adventurous. We want to learn. Everything. Allows us to bring our little piece of weirdness to the world. Yes. So. Thank you yes, guys yes, yes. for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Yes. And remember, guys, if you can be anything, be weird. Or creepy. Or both. Or both. Bye. Bye. <laughs>